big welcome to uh, today's podcast. I'm with Solange Ellis, and uh, I'm very, very excited because the first time I met Solange, she was telling me about all of the things they have done. So um, please tell us a little about it. Hi, my name is Solange and I have a horse barn in Ohio in the United States. I've been a horse trainer and a riding lesson instructor for 23 years. I was a show rider when I was young, but then as I got a little bit older towards like turning 20, 21, I started fox hunting really seriously. So becoming a fox hunter let me ride a really wide variety of breeds because in the hunt field, any horse that hunts well is a success. So you can have a pony or a draft horse, or maybe a horse that didn't have great confirmation and wasn't really going to be like popular in the show ring. But if it was well-trained and had good communication with its rider, it could be very successful. So that allowed me to not specialize in any specific breed. So at my barn, we've always had a very wide variety of horses. Mm -hmm. And my students who came to me also wanted to trail ride and fox hunt. So since I'm not competing with my horses or competing with my students, um, as is very popular here in my area in Ohio and the United States, I was able to teach a type of riding that was more what I call real world riding instead mm -hmm. of like performance show riding. So the riding system that I've been teaching and created over the last few decades is based on science and physics and proof. What works? And if you ride well, you look good anyway. Yeah. You know, if you're yeah. doing a good job, you look good, but you're not thinking about how you look. You're thinking about how it's going, how the horse is reacting and how stable you feel in the saddle. Because of the type of riding that I teach, I ended up meeting a woman in 2014 who came to me for lessons because she was preparing for the Mongolian Derby, which is the world's largest, longest horse race in Mongolia. It's 10 days and the riders ride the um, semi-feral Mongolian herder ponies across Mongolia, navigating with GPS. Her That's name tough. is and she is now a horsewoman in her own right. She runs Intergalactic Equine on the other side of the United States from me. And she has gone on to train other riders for long distance riding, endurance riding. And through her, she's referred back to me other riders who have prepared for the Mongolian Derby. So as these riders started to fly in, to train with me, I was considering the type of teaching that I wanted to do. And about two years ago, I decided to create this space that I'm sitting in right now that I call the Rider Lab. Yes. So the Rider Lab is a dedicated space in my on my farm, it's its own building. And in here, we have tools that the riders can ride on and use to help learn the hyper-specific body motions that horseback riders need without the complexity of the horse. 
right? Writing is hard. It's yes. complex. It's, it requires all of your attention. There's a strong emotional aspect to it. So the first two tools that I purchased for the lab are the equisizer, which is the wooden horse that um, moves like a real horse and gives you feedback as you sit on it. And the blue guy is a mighty Bucky and that's a bull riding trainer. So this guy sort of bounces and then this guy bucks and rears. And then just about a month ago, not even, um, my home horse was delivered and that's the wooden guy in the background that's shaped like a saddle and he rotates. Uh -huh. So between the, the bouncing motion of the equisizer and the tipping motion of the mighty Bucky and the rotational motion of the home horse, we can replicate almost all of the motions that you perform on your horse here in this environment. We have many, many mirrors so the riders can see themselves. We have tripods so we can film them. And it gives you space and time to feel what's going on inside of your own body. So while this idea was based off of our more extreme riders, I guess, who were trying to create and accomplish this amazing horse feat, I found that it has an amazing application for every rider. The lab was really created by the needs of the students. The riders with their needs and their questions created the lab. And I feel that's why it works so well, because it was student driven. It was student created. It was rider inspired, right? And some people will say, but you're not on a horse. So how are you helping the horse or how is the horse involved, right? And I tell them we're helping the horses by helping yeah. the rider. Hmm. If you're more stable in your saddle, you're less concerned and worried about safety or fear or anxiety or nervousness. Yeah. And this lets you communicate to your horse so much clearer. Mm -hmm. Horses have big feelings, right? Yes, they have. And they communicate their big feelings physically because they're not vocal communicators like we are. Mm -hmm. So in the moment in your ride with your horse, when your horse has a big feeling, fear or anger or frustration or pain or concern or anxiety, or sometimes they're just really excited. Yes. <laughs> The rider gets worried for their own safety on the horse. So the rider stops communicating to their horse and focuses on them. Hmm. They're just trying to stay on, yeah. right? So in that moment, when the horse needs help, is asking for communication, could use guidance, the rider disappears because the rider's just trying to stay on. Hmm. So if we are not stable in our body position on the horse, we're abandoning the horse in the one part of the ride where the horse really needs support. And that's how the lab is helping people with their horses. Because the rider's practicing what they need in their own body on the ground. And when they meet the horse, they're meeting the horse where the horse is. So immediately their relationship is better. That's fantastic. And and they can learn one piece. Uh, yes. Yeah. So yes. they don't have to, to take no. in 
everything when they sit on the horse for the first time. Exactly. Yeah. And it was originally for our more advanced, like I said, extreme riders. Yes. But then our local riders became interested and it started to have value for riders who were coming back from an injury, even not yeah. a horse injury. Yeah. Riders who were coming back from an illness, riders who were returning to riding after a break, because mm. sometimes life gets in the way, yes. right? Riders who were riding currently, but lacked confidence in themselves or in their skills or in their body. Riders who were riding well, but wanted to get to the next level. And they knew what got them here wouldn't get them there. They were looking for a different perspective. Yes. Um, we have had a lot of rider intensives where people fly and stay to us or drive to us for two or three days and they work in the lab. I have a co-instructor that I teach with named Kane Maxwell and he's a body mechanics movement specialist. So when I teach the three days, it's always in concert with him. And a portion of the first day will be with me and on horses. And then the second portion of the day will be with Kane on the ground with body mechanics. And then at the end of that day, we put them back on a horse together and you sort of feel the progress that you've made. The really interesting thing about these rider intensives is during my time with them on horses, I spend more time answering questions than I do teaching them to ride. Because these riders sometimes have been riding or had horses or had trainers or instructors or coaches for 10 years or 15 years or 20 years. And they've heard so many different things from so many different trainers and instructors. And they get genuinely confused. Mm -hmm. And usually what they heard from an expert was correct. But maybe it was at the wrong time, or maybe it didn't apply to them and their horse and their activity with their location. And the riders begin to lose confidence in themselves yeah. because they're told so many different things mm -hmm. and none of them line up and they begin to think they're the problem. The student takes on that, um, Kane calls it the, the shame and burden of ignorance. The student doesn't understand and they think there's something wrong with them. And I spend a lot of time going, you just needed clearer instruction, better explanations, and to have time to sit with an instructor for half an hour or an hour or two hours and talk. Mm -hmm. In traditional rider instructor lessons, it's short right? Mm -hmm. And you get on your horse and you do the things and then you have to get off because the instructor has another lesson. Yeah. Or you go to see your horse with the horse trainer and the horse trainer rides your horse and then the groom's handing them another horse. So some of the luxury for our riders in the multi-day intensives, in the remote and Zoom sessions that we teach, and even just our local students who come to the lab for an hour, is that they have the time and the space to communicate what they need to learn. Yeah. And we can talk about it. 
And when they truly understand how they should be riding or why they were told one thing or why something they were doing didn't work, they're instantly so much lighter and happier and more confident because they're no longer confused. That's right. And often a trainer just tell you, take a little here in the reins and do that. And as you said, they, they are not explaining why they should do it. Right. So the lab has allowed me as a teacher to see more clearly what the students need. And the results have been fantastic. We've been very lucky. It's very popular. It works really well. I think that this was needed in our sport, but no one had really filled the need yet. Other athletes know that you need to practice a certain skill. Mm -hmm. So in golf, they have driving ranges where you can just practice your golf swing, yeah. right? Same thing here in America. Baseball is a huge sport and they have batting cages where baseball players go and they just hit the ball, hit the ball, hit the ball, right? Yes. So other athletes in other sports have known that you need certain body movements mm -hmm. and you need to be able to practice them. But for some reason, that learning culture and that idea about physicality hadn't been applied to riding yet. No, and, and many times you just focus on the horse, what the yes. horse should do, not, yes. not the rider. Yes. And as a riding instructor, you know that you have one student who needs to do one thing next. So you get the right horse and the right tack and you go, okay, we're going to learn this thing. And then it's windy or mm. the tractors yes. in the or they cancel because their car broke down or they mm. come in and they're so upset about their boss at work. They're not focused. No. So weeks of lessons go by where there's missed opportunities for the student to experience that one thing because the environment is so difficult to control with horses in a barn, Yes. right? There's weather and other people and other animals and other horses. And sometimes you wait weeks for someone to feel something. Hmm. In the lab, we've eliminated all that distraction and it's a much more controlled environment so we can recreate what we need sooner and some of the riders who have less confidence in themselves are worried about judgment right mm -hmm. yes that's such a big thing that i've been running into with the adult riders who come in the lab is they worry when they're riding what everybody thinks mm -hmm. about yes. them or the horse. Are they in someone's way? Are they holding up the class, right? Mm -hmm. So I take them away from the barn and away from the arena. And we come in the lab and I close all the doors. And it's more of a private space because not everyone wants to learn and experiment and try and fail and then try again mm -hmm. in front of other people. Right. That's right. Yeah. Especially adults who are learning something new tend to be more self-conscious than kids mm -hmm. who are accustomed yeah. to learning in public. I met that too. People who have been riding for 
for 20, 30 years and, and then they get anxiety and don't want to get on the horse. And and this feeling that uh, I, I know how to ride, but but I'm, I must look good uh, for the other riders. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Well, and our bodies change. Yes. A lot of riders learn to ride when they're very young. So mm. they're eight or nine or 12 or 15 and they learn to post and canter and jump in the body of a 12 year old hmm. well, now they're 36 and they have the same body motions but they don't have the same body no that's right so we need to update our riding for the body we have or they have an injury now hmm. right and they yeah. go well i broke my shoulder skiing and i have three pins hmm. okay right? Or I learned how to jump when I was 12, but now I'm 55. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's the kindness and the acceptance and the lack of judgment and the empathy that we try and provide our students with in meeting them where they are, where they're comfortable, what their skill set is, how their body is. What we look for in our riders, which was Something that I said over and over for the Mongol Derby riders was, do you feel stable? I don't ask them if they feel safe because you're on a horse. Mm, but yes. do you feel stable? Mm -hmm. Is it simple? Are these instructions that you're going to remember later when I'm not teaching you or in Mongolia on day eight of 10? And is it sustainable? Can you do this for a while? Those riders are riding six, eight, 10, 12 hours a day. But I realized that you shouldn't have to want to ride the world's longest horse race to have instruction that's simple, stable, and sustainable. We all deserve that. Yes. We all deserve to feel stable. We all deserve simple instruction that makes sense, that we can understand and replicate on our own. And it needs to be sustainable so that we can continue riding in the bodies we have for as long as we want. We don't want to put any unnecessary pressure on our joints or our tendons in a way that's going to do us long time harm because then we can't access the sport that brings us joy. That's right. <clears throat> So that's really sort of been the mission. And I think of those three things constantly when I'm teaching. And if I give a student a new position, I'll ask them, does this feel stable? Is this simple? Is this sustainable? And if one of those things is missing, we don't move on to the next step. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and that is very good with simplicity because when you have a trainer for riding, they always call out all the things you should do with hands and legs and feet and, and everything. So when you have, have this lesson, it's, it's just working around in your brain. Well, I think anyone who's been in horses has seen that some trainers and instructors have a lot of ego. Mm -hmm. right they tend to be yeah. very arrogant right yeah. well I'm the horse trainer yeah so they have a student or a rider or a horse or a rider combo in front of them and they go well you have to do this 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 and that mm -hmm. 
And if you fall off, either get back on or go to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Get back I, on. Just they yeah. can say that to people who are paying them. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? Yeah. Right? So the rider feels bombarded, mm-hmm. full of instruction. They can't keep up. And they leave thinking they can't ride. That's right. Which is the opposite of what we need. Yeah. So it's changing a little bit. I'm trying, and my co-instructor Kane is trying to change that relationship with students and teachers so that they feel comfortable talking to us. And they feel confident saying, I didn't understand that. Say it again. Or get on the horse and show me, Mm -hmm. right? Or I'm not ready to move on. Can I practice this a little bit more? Because Mm -hmm. I know if I can do this, I'll feel more stable. Yeah, of course we can. It's Mm -hmm. your lesson. It's your body we're teaching. I want to return some of the agency to the riders so they don't feel like they're um, innocent bystanders to their horse. Like they get on the horse and just anything could happen to them, right? Yeah. And I go, you're the one who's sitting on the horse. <laughs> right? How do you think the horse feels with That's you just right. up there? So That's it's right. been very rewarding helping the students. Yes. Sort of feel more confident in their ability to learn. You were telling that you have this three days event Uh, do you have space for people to live there Uh, do they have their own horse with them or or you you provide with the horses really depends i'm i'm not too far in the country where i am is pretty built up Mm -hmm. so right down the street from me there's a town and it has a beautiful like nice hotel and restaurants so usually when people come in they stay there I don't have anywhere to stay on my property. Here at the barn, we have um, 15 horses, and I own 11 of them, and they're in the lesson program. Ponies, quarter horses, thoroughbred cross, draft cross, saddle horses, Arabs, Arab crosses. So I have a height and a breed and emotion and a personality for whatever that rider needs at that time. I also have every saddle you can imagine. Jumping saddles, dressage saddles, Western saddles, trail saddles, endurance saddles. I have the saddle from the Mongolian Derby. We have a side saddle, bareback pads. So we can combine any sort of mix of the horse and the tack that the rider needs to feel the thing that they're learning right then. We had a rider fly in from out of state last month. And she said, there's nowhere else that I can get my horses. There is nowhere else that I can get this comprehensive a training. There's nowhere in her state that has 11 different horses, 10 different saddles, two different instructors who are experts who are teaching the same thing parallel one another and the tools of the lab. So she flew from several states away to spend three days here 
because she can't access this type of education where she lives. And no one really offers it. No one has built a space like this. No one has partnered with another expert to teach really high level instruction. And no one will give you the whole barn for six hours that day. And for students, it's such a luxury. So we have riders from the other side of the country. We had a lady who came to us from Washington state, which is all the way the other side of the United States. Okay. Because she heard of me and she called us and she went, I think this is what I need. And I'm just like, yeah. And she had a wonderful experience. And we try and stay in touch with our riders after they ride with us because they're going to need follow-up support. Yeah. So they can come back to us again, or we can go out to see them. Or oftentimes we do what we're doing just now, like how you teach with your Zoom sessions, because yeah. you have access in a way that you never could before. That's so true. we've managed to meet some really wonderful people in the horse community who otherwise I don't think we could have had access to because they were so far away. Hmm. The technology has changed so much. It's very good. Yes. It's amazing what we're able yeah. to do now and how yeah. we can widen the people we're able to help. You were also talking about last time we were speaking together uh, that you have uh, for people who are a little bit heavier than yes. usually. Yes, I don't have a weight limit at my facility. So a lot of the show barns and the performance barns in my area have a weight limit of like 180 pounds, which is not a lot. And it prevents just most men in general from being able to ride. So I have horses and saddles that are appropriate for a variety of body types and riders. Since I teach private lessons exclusively, I offer Western riding and I don't have a weight limit. I get like all the men who want to ride end up at my barn. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost their only option. And I love teaching men. And I think it's really fun. I always say if they fall off, they won't cry and I don't have to call their mom. <laughs> you know, because I taught little kids, like little kids for the first 10 years, I taught all children. So it's very different teaching, you know, grown men. Yes. Um, and I have riders who are maybe heavier than they want to be in their bodies. They go, I'd like to be this weight or I want to get back into shape. And something like this guy is perfect for that. Yes. Because they're not concerned or self-conscious about their weight on the horse. They're sometimes not in a busy arena with a lot of other riders who are worried again about being judged. And it's exercise. Like riding these tools in this environment is more exercise than riding the actual horse. Yeah, I can't imagine there you're doing most of the motions yourself and you know in a riding lesson you come in you get on your horse you walk around you trot a little bit then the mm -hmm. horse has a walk break and then you talk about something but when you walk in the lab you get on and you just start going that's hard work so <laughs> you don't have the horse imposed rest breaks that you would if you're riding a school horse right oh. 
And the last thing I want to do is tell these women, no, you can't because of your body Hmm. or prevent them from exercising or rehabbing or gaining strength on a tool like this, right? This is part of their journey of becoming the athlete and inhabiting a body that they feel more comfortable in. And I don't want to prevent them from having access to that. Well, that's great. Yeah, it's been wonderful. Do you have uh, people who only come uh, for for the lab, not the horses? I do. I do. Yeah. I have several ladies who started with me. I'm sorry. My goat just moved my computer. <laughs> <laughs> Sir. Um, can we have, see the goat? Yes. Let me see if I can tip my. Hello. That's my goat. <laughs> His name is Scooter. Hello, Scooter. <laughs> He's very attached to me. He's been nibbling my pants this whole interview. He's like, mom, <laughs> mom, mom, pay attention to me. He's got his little head in my lap. So if you see my arms moving, I'm petting my goat. <laughs> <laughs> I've had riders now. Most of my lab media, like, photos and videos I've been putting on Facebook. My barn horse Haven has a Facebook page and that's where I've been putting up, um, pictures and videos because this is very new. It's hard to Mm -hmm. explain what I'm doing in words. I tell people I run a hyper-specialized horseback riding lab and they go, what? Hmm. Oh, what? (laughs) What? Yeah. So having pictures and videos, it's almost as good as doing it yourself. If you see, and you go, oh, okay, that makes sense. I see now. So I've been doing that for about six months now and also collecting testimonials mm-hmm. of the riders who've come in because I don't think that me telling you how good I am at my job means anything. You need to hear from the students yes, about their experience, right? And because of all that, um, People contact me now and want to come in exclusively for lab lessons. Maybe they own a horse somewhere else or they have a riding instructor at a different facility and they come here to the lab with me or with Kane as like a specialty instruction on top of their normal. Or riders who are re-entering riding after a break and they don't want to rush getting back on a live horse. So they're taking their time coming in here and getting reacquainted with their bodies, getting stronger, clarifying how their body should be. And then when they're ready, they'll go back over and have lessons on one of my school horses. We often talk about when when we have been from riding for a while, in yes. Sweden, there's a, a very long winter and sometimes yes. you're not riding for the winter. Yeah. You you feel like a fridge when you sit on the horse the first time. <laughs> well, yeah, it's when the weather's bad and you're in all those clothes, you know, yeah. you feel like you can't move. Mm-hmm. And then the first couple warm days, you want to go out and ride, but then your body's yeah. not settled, right? That's right. Yeah. So... We have many lab-only riders. And recently in my riding program, I got a couple new riders who've never been on a horse before. And I Mm -hmm. specialized in beginners 
for the first half of my career with kids. So for the first time, I was able to use these tools not as something to intervene later in someone's riding education, but at the very beginning. And I took a lot of videos. Like I was teaching one gentleman to trot and I put him on the mighty Bucky first, <laughs> moved him around, you know, so you get yeah. a feel for it. Yeah. And then I immediately took him over to my arena and put him on a horse and had him trot. And he looked so good because he had an idea of what was coming. Yes. If you've never trotted a horse before, how do you explain it? No. If you've never cantered a horse before, how do you explain it? And you save the back of the horse. Yes. The horses are so happy that now the riders are preparing elsewhere. Yes. Because before my poor school horses, they did all that grunt work, mm -hmm. you know, somebody just has to practice kicking or just has to practice stopping or just has to stand their walk, right? Now the horses can be in their stalls, happily eating hay or out eating grass while the rider's learning that. And then we only bring the horse in when it's necessary. So I feel my school horses have really benefited a lot as well because um, they don't have to do that kind of work anymore. I imagine that. What yeah. about your tools? Uh, tell us a little about them. You have made them yourself? No, these are all professional tools that are made by different companies. Uh -huh. So the Mighty Bucky is made in Texas as a bull riding trainer. Mm -hmm. And the Equisizer is made very near me, actually, in Norwalk, Ohio. And just last week, I was able to film an interview with the gentleman who invented and created and manufactures these, named Mr. Lovato. And that'll be on my Facebook soon. And it talks about how he um, was inspired to build the wooden horse. He was a professional racehorse jockey who sustained an injury and had to rehab his body to begin racing again. And he wanted there to be something between hurting himself and riding a racehorse, right? So that was his inspiration for this tool. And then the home horse was invented by another gentleman who came from a many generation riding family, show jumpers. And he is a sculptor and an artist. So he took that sort of part of his art life and combined it with the riding life. But all these tools are regularly on my Facebook and I try and talk about the companies that manufacture them often because they're wonderful. Yeah. They're very well designed and the design's very simplistic. None of them plug in. They don't need electricity. They're not hydraulic. They're portable. So if we go and teach our riding system at a different facility, I can put them all on my horse trailer and take them with me so I can bring them to, to a clinic, which was very important to me. I felt that as this riding style became more popular, that there was going to be a high chance that we would start doing some clinics at different places. So. Yeah. That's amazing. They're really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I hope that more riding schools will, will um, 
get there too. That, that is, it's a perfect way, I think. I think maybe if other trainers and instructors see that this works, they'll be more willing to try something new and different. Yes. You know, new and different is always scary. Mm -hmm. And sometimes businesses are concerned about investing in something new because they're concerned about if it will be profitable, I suppose, or if it will work for their organization. We trail ride at my barn. I have students who fox hunt with me. We do this kind of training. And then my co-instructor Kane teaches um, mounted skillet arms. So we have, um, we host Kane several days a week and he comes to my facility and teaches swords and bows and lances, which is very exciting and has been very helpful for nervous riders. Because I have riders who lack confidence in their horse and in their ability. And I say, you, you should try a weapons class because I think you'll find that you'll do really well. Mm -hmm. And Kane is a wonderful instructor and a, an expert weapons master. So he's able to, again, very simplistically and clearly explain how to do it. And it gives riders such confidence to ride their horse with a sword, and right? Fo focus on something else, yeah. Yes, and we talk often about allowing your riding to be so second nature that you can add another skill on top. Yeah. So you can walk, trot, canter, and strike a target with a lance. And there's other times that this happens. When you're fox hunting, if you're helping with the hounds, you have to be able to walk, trot, canter, and be focused on the hounds. If you're playing polo, you have to be able to walk, trot, canter, and have the skill set to manipulate your polo mallet. Yes. Here in the United States, they have um, cowboy-mounted shooting, where they shoot revolver blanks at balloons in a pattern. Mm -hmm. And you have to ride well enough that you can aim and shoot the correct balloon appropriately. Yes. And then there's um, all the stock riding with cows where you're roping cows. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine how difficult it must be to canter your horse and swing a rope and get a running cow all at the same time, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. So I have some riders who are looking for their riding to become a complete skill so they can add another skill on top. Mm. And it lets your riding constantly change and flourish in advance because you'll never run out of the next interesting thing to do. So we've been, I've been lucky with the ability to meet people and network and try new and different things and have um, a culture of learning here that lets people go, yeah, I want to try that. That looks yeah. cool. <laughs> Instead of going, oh, I could never, hmm. right? I don't let people say that in the bar. Well, I could never. And I'm like, well, now you have to. Yes. to yourself that you can. We're doing it next week. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And if there's anybody out there who wanted to uh, contact you, who are interested in this, where can they find you? So the best place right now is on Facebook. 
My barn's name is Horsehaven, H-O-R-S-E-H-A-V-E-N, Horsehaven Stables. Um, we do have a website, horsehavenohio.com. So that's H-O-R-S-E-H-A-V-E-N-O-H-I-O.com. You can email me off the website or you can message me off Facebook. And it goes right to me and I'll answer you and say, hey, what can I do for you? That's fantastic. Thank you so Thanks. much for the opportunity to talk about this and share what I've discovered here with your audience. Because we're really far away. Yes, <laughs> we are. And um, uh, I was so surprised when I talked to you first time. And I think it's it's amazing what you can do with with all this. And I really hope that, that uh, more people wanted to to do the same in the yeah. future it's fantastic and i'm very very happy that you uh, were here today and talk Me about too. everything so thank you very much um and thanks for everything and thank you so much for having me. It was such a joy to talk to you last time. I was really looking forward to talking to you today again or again today. And Scooter says thank you. Yeah. He's very happy that he gets to be internet famous. <laughs> He's been waiting for his big break. <laughs> <laughs> I want Everybody to be a fan. Say, we need to see more pictures of Scooter because he's really the star. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Thank you very much and uh, Thank you so much. see you all out there and please subscribe to my channel yes. so we get some more viewers. Thank you Wonderful. for today. Yes, thank you.